1: she was the people's princess. We shall fight on the beaches. Oh,
2: wait, man! These are the things that made England. We shall
1: fight on the landing ground.
2: These are the things that made I England. I have ended. a body, but
0: of a weak and feeble woman.
1: These are the things that made England. And
0: a
2: king of England too. These are the things that made England. Cry
1: God for Harry! And these are the things that made England. England and
2: Saint George.
3: These
0: are the things that. Hello, made everyone,
3: uh, and welcome to the things that made England. This week, it is me bringing the topic. Before I do that, I'm going to introduce Royfield to you, everybody. Meet Royfield.
1: Hello, everybody.
3: There you go. Uh, right. So this week, I am bringing a topic, which is you know, this is slightly worrying. I'm um, I am in trouble this week, Royfield. I'm going to bring fashion.
1: Why have you chosen fashion this that week, David? That is a very David? good question, so, and I will because answer. Because by the looks of you you're Oi. not that acquainted with the, with the topic
3: you're a very rude man very rude man though actually somebody did propose to me to be a fashion editor. Oxfam, as it happens. <laughs> <laughs> as an old joke, was that Michael Foote? Uh, I'm sure it was no, Michael like Foote. Someone said fashion editor for Oxfam. <laughs> anyway, I mean, you're absolutely right. You are absolutely right. What I know about fashion could be written on the inside of a ping pong ball. Um, I went to university wearing a lemon pair of trousers and a loose weave cotton lemon and lime jumper. Literally, I mean, my social life was, poor, not good. So I know nothing about fashion. But I happened to go to... Um, uh, the film McQueen, documentary McQueen, mm-hmm. did you see that? Yep, yep. Very, very interesting, very good. And of course, we did the suit with you, mm-hmm. um, so you inspired me. I feel you inspired me. So I thought. Mm. But not to up your wardrobe. No, God, no. Well, that costs money. Uh, so I'm going to propose that one of the things that makes England is a world class talent for fashion, and particularly for fashion inspired by street culture. Mm-hmm. Now. I realise that I know nothing about it. In fact, the fact that I'm a, t- talking about this, me, the 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 oldest of the you know the oldest and fartiest you, you know you can imagine, can like bloody bloody blah, de, blah, de, blah um, is evidence that this is now history, that this is important because if I can <laughs> wall on about it, you know, I mean, God. Anyway, so my reasoning is multiple. Should I take you through the reasons? Please I please do, and we can talk a little bit about what it is Mm -hmm. so first of all is a simple horrible nasty one is it makes a lot of money in 2010 which is a long time ago 21 billion and employs 816,000 people so it's a big industry Very. and actually you've got to think about all the colleges of art we have and we have a very strong uh, education tradition around colleges of art here
1: can I just say I actually as a teenager wanted to be a fashion designer right and I actually ended up owning a couple of shops I don't know if I said this in the last show yeah, you did. I don't think I did either and I remember saying to my father I was about 15 dad I want to be a fashion designer right. and he said only Pop stars do that, son. Is, Is that right? It's not a career, right. and I had to ride to various colleges and get them to send the pre- right. prospectuses to show that there were foundation courses right. and you could do fashion design. It was a thing. And then my dad, my bus driving Jamaican dad, was a hundred and ten right. percent behind me. All right, but okay. he was just like talk to him around. Oh, that's yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah. and uh, yeah. So, um, but anyway, it's just that thing that yeah. even within the UK we we're not quite aware how how much of an industry this is you know it feels very ephemeral you know and disposable and not important but actually we are world leaders.
3: And I might have broadened the topic out and one day probably will do to a general talent for design and actually there was a quote from a Christian Democrat I forget his name in Germany who was saying about Brexit saying that you know we will lose a lot of creativity we tell our people to go and look at England or Britain Mm. to look at creativity so there's a long tradition I think of great Mm. creativity in Britain but again
1: it's something which us English aren't we don't reach for it as to as to one of our innate strengths we don't 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 reach for it first
3: and in fact um you know, old fart though I am, I find this very frustrating because I think too often we present a, an image of England which is all about the old stuff, all about the Magna Carta of this world, and I'm guilty Long of it myself. Longbows and all that sort of thing. Which,
1: important though they are, it's more important than
3: actually we talk about...
1: Um, so basically that's the reason why you've encroached on my territory <laughs> and you've done a much more relevant subject I this week. I think what we're talking week.
3: about is... Me being a fully rounded person. <laughs> 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 yeah, Right, let's go. So now, is that I, the
1: reason why you have an elasticated waist on your trousers? Because uh, you're fully rounded. I don't. Oh, that's very rude.
3: Accurate, but rude. <laughs> um, so, uh, so you have to be aware that you know I researched this, but my oh, knowledge okay. and my personal talent of this is appalling. Okay. So, um, I think it's, it's quite a London strand in this. I was almost going to bring this as London and fashion mm. rather than uh, England, actually. Because I, I, I think that would sense. be
1: fair. And I think in terms of English fashion outside of London, you kind of slightly struggle mm. Um Yes, you've got Dr. Martin Boots, which is Northampton, and then you have um, there was the Manchester scene. Yeah, there was the Manchester yeah, scene, yeah. and they had a very distinct way of yeah. dressing. But yes, if it's, London kind of rules the yeah. way.
3: So here are a few. So not my point number two is that you know we have a long history of influencing, influencing world fashion, but also um, iconic. Um, items of clothing that are known the world over as as english so and some of them are very old so and some of them are new mm-hmm. so the bowler hat for example 1849 mm-hmm. uh, although that's probably gone now but still the bowler hat was a uh, an image of england three-piece suit which you of course mm-hmm. brought to us the trench coat invented by burberry and Aquascutum, mm-hmm. the uh, first floor wellington boots duke of wellington of course instructed mm-hmm. his shoemaker to construct so there are these things but they're also more technical things so artificial dyes I understand were invented by a chap called William Henry Perkins, mm-hmm. did you know that? No, no, I didn't know that and where and who were who invented haute couture, that most Parisian well I, I'm going to say it would be um, some French geezer Thank you for saying that, Roy because you knew that wasn't the answer and you very kindly set me up for the slam dunk. <laughs> no, Roy Field. Uh-huh. Uh, no, it was in fact a chap called Charles Worth, ah. who set up the fir- who was the first couturier in Paris,
1: it has to be said, Yes, but he set up the first uh, couture Wh- house. Where, when was he doing his thing? Because I do know the name of Charles Worth.
3: He, was, he lived from between 1825 and 1895. Can you guess what I'm reading from notes now? Did that come across? Uh, yes, yeah, essentially, he, um, he, I'm not entirely sure, most successful years apparently during the early 1890s, but, you know, so late, 20, late 19th century, mm. he's doing his thing. Uh, so, that's my, my second point, is that we have done things which have influenced the world of uh, fashion design in the past. And then you come to the 20th century, third point and you've got a whole stream of things which um, as far as I can see are very much influenced by street culture so as I understand it and again I'm open for correction at any point um Paris becomes the centre of haute couture, and what you get is fashion yeah. handed down.
1: And prete a yeah, exactly, Indeed. exactly.
3: So fashion comes down from the rich and the famous who can afford haute couture, and, you know, slowly it, tri- it, it trickles down, and fashions get set that way, um, and everything else is seen as, you know, not important. Um, and then in the 40s and 50s, you get the teddy boy craze, which made me laugh, actually, because... And uh, Shawaddy Waddy, who, of course, are a replay of that period, yes. obviously, Uh lived down the road from us when I was a lad. Have mm-hmm. I told you that before? He's mm-hmm. coming to the local pub. Yeah. Under the moon of love. And what's early? Anyway, whatever. Anyway, Teddy Boy uh, crazy. Who weren't at all like Shawaddy Waddy because they're much harder. Velvet-trimmed jackets. You know, that Edwardian type of dress. Yeah. Versioned. Um for them. So that was kind of a starter. And then you get the 1960s, when of course, of course we all talk about. So British designers, uh, mainly women, Mary Quant, Barbara Hulanicki, uh, who ran, was it Bieber, I think, was mm-hmm. the, of her store. Ozzy Clark the swinging London thing that Time magazine sold uh, in America miniskirt and all this kind of idea of mod style so modernist um, and you remember the mods and the rockers yes in from your youth
1: absolutely we had a big bust up in the
3: Loughborough Town Hall between the mods (laughs) and the rockers we weren't allowed to go down down to school that day anyway um and then all the bands you get around the mods, you know, mm. which weren't necessarily my thing, but I quite, some of them I quite like: so the Who, Small Faces, The Beatles. Somebody said it's part of the same, mm-hmm. and the Kinks, that sort of thing. So you get that whole bit, and then I'll, I'll finish the story, and then you can no. tear me to pieces. And then you get punk. Now I'm a, I understand that punk—it was, which is definitely my decade, this 1970s. Although I did not at any point wear anything even vaguely punky, punky not even a safety pin. I can guarantee uh, <laughs> stretch black cords and a purple shirt. That's all I wore. Nightmare. Anyway, but 1970s. You know, we saw them all over the place. Uh, although I'm told punk originated in the US, mm-hmm. New York. Yeah, Malcolm McLaren went over. Said very, you know, very publicly, he's going to bring it back to the UK. But we dressed it, as you said. I think you said the word, your words, I think. So Vivian Westwood, Xander Rhodes. Yeah, very, you know, all. I mean, if you think of the seventies, you think of glam and you think of punk rock, don't
1: you? Yeah, you, you know, you absolutely you do. And there was a period um, where you would see lots of postcards of London. It'd be a red uh, phone box. It'd be a punk. Yeah, that's it would true. be big no, bang. Be yeah. you know yeah. that tourists would go around and try and spot a punk with a mohican and with you know ripped clothes, but you know attached with kind of uh, safety pins and yeah. stuff and that w- it was a quintessentially English quirk for another 20 years after when yeah. there were no more punks it's you know. funny that
3: I mean it's interesting how we've got I mean the, me saying at the beginning I mean seriously the fact that I can talk back to the time they actually terrified me I was a completely different group and you know um, for me it was heavy metal and mm. all the rest of it and they scattered the we- so it's Slightly older, we can now talk about them as though they're hi- an historical um, safe thing. At The time is a bit scary, as well
1: as innovative. We have to be slightly careful to know that there was a different fashion yeah. tradition in the other, across the other side of the Atlantic. Mm-hmm. That traditionally, as you said, uh, that uh, wor- worked that your high designers who had their, you know, the, the couturiers, they came up with uh, a new line and then that would filter down and then you're very very right to say that after the second world war that kind of stops and actually uh that high end of fashion is as much influenced by the street and what really differentiates england and i have to say britain in this regard is how we had an 18 month cycle right uh, up until I would say the early '90s, where street fashion changed a lot. Now, the reason why I have to say we have to be careful that there was a different tradition on the other side of the Atlantic, because um streetwear over there is primarily driven by African Americans. Mm. Uh, but there was a tradition before that in in the 1930s of wearing t-shirts and blue jeans and Mm. in effect what we would call pumps uh, you know sneakers etc which then becomes the iconic template for the rebel teenager in the 50s Uh, and then african-american dress sense kind of comes in in the 1970s with more leisure wear in inverted commas and wearing trainers etc etc so so there is a, a different tradition over there but what really marks us out is the start of the 70s um our street fashion was the width of our trousers getting wider and our skirts are then becoming longer and then by the by the mid 70s um, the influence of glam oh. is very much kind of within kind of British uh, street culture in a way that I don't think it quite was. Um, I must admit
3: I'd ignore, I'd, I'd very consciously ignore that because I can remember wearing flared jeans. The seventies were a dreadful decade, weren't they? I and mean,
2: the
3: music the, was great. No,
1: the music was great, and <laughs>
3: the flared you know, jeans. God, I hated flared jeans. They always went, always got. Worn on the hem at the bottom and you have this thing you're walking around looking as though I don't know what you were looking like oh god the frayed oh I hated those but
1: the 70s and I know know we're not talking about this but I won't Mm. have you not the 70s completely because what the 70s 70s. are amazing for if you look at the British Mm. charts musical charts you look at the amount of reggae that was in Mm. prog rock heavy metal Mm. ska glam pure unadulterated adulterated pop and then yep. well crafted uh, yacht music the, the you know the Eagles which I know the Eagles are American but you could you listen yep. to I've the charts of the 1970s I mean, yeah. and anything went yeah. the amount of creativity and the diversity of music true. absolutely it's and we don't like get that now the, in the 1970s you know Derby could win the uh, the football league and Nottingham Forest and
3: Nottingham Forest and Nottingham Forest not going to happen
1: now it's it was so much better when we were young, wasn't it? I thought you just said the 70s were dreadful.
3: I love them really. It's a kind of love hate thing. Mainly hate? No, <laughs> <laughs> No, mainly love. I love the 70s. Um, you know, it was my, it was my decade. Um, and then just finish, again, finish stories. You know, it, this is what I got from the Queen documentary mm-hmm. is that that's continued i mean the mcqueen galliano and mcqueen other galliano lived in born in gibraltar but over here took over these french couture houses didn't they uh mm-hmm. Givenchy, was it? Was Givenchy? i can't remember what, it, what it, which it was um and that was you know pretty seismic you know no absolutely that we were seen as putting coping, english people
1: um energy back into this stuff you yeah parish you know fashion houses
3: so we had another we've had another you know round of uh, uh, in the 90s and, and noughties hmm. of uh, english design and um, one person did say actually rather in a rather miserable way which i thought was quite interesting actually was that one of the consequences of all of this is that youth culture is now never away from the uh, the public eye the commercial eye of business you know, it used to be in the 1940s, 50s. These things developed over here, and then somebody noticed them and made made business out of them. Mm-hmm. And now it's much more diverse, but it's also much more commercial. You know, what young people wear is being defined by commerce rather than people going off and make their own decisions. I don't know if that's true or not, but um, basically, it says that it made the point that youth now is under the microscope at every at every time, and I think it is
1: yeah but i'd say one thing which you haven't really quite noted mm-hmm. uh, noted for me is the strength of the the high street and we do have a sense of um let's say someone like paul smith which isn't on every british high street by any stretch of imagination you know but he's just round the corner on the posh road right all right as being almost like the couturier. right you know so if you're going to a wedding or so you go along to paul so smith so you
3: like marks and spencers then
1: absolutely <laughs> but no i'd say more of a waitrose the Waitrose is that right yeah he's a little there's right? a little cut above marks and right, sparks okay. you know so an and he and he sells that brand by being right english mm. everywhere right and 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 he imbues in the brand a sense of um you know continuity kind of from mm. the past but actually he's only been doing this stuff since what the 70s yeah
3: i mean that is interesting because there's that other tradition which is the the old farty one the you know the hardy amos mm. and, um, smart suits the you know nice gloves and philip tracy in his hat Um, I don't know if he falls into that, but there is the old, the Burberry, the Mulberry, you know, these old, very Mm. English brands, rather stuffy type brands, um, which I consciously didn't bring here, because what I wanted to focus on was the street culture thing, actually, which I think is more, I find more exciting. Mm -hmm. But there is that other tradition as well, isn't there?
1: But we have, um, and uh, what we didn't mention when we did the suit, and somebody did, take us to task about this actually on the on the suit show and I know this is the stuffy end is Savile Row yes, we, didn't, we indeed. didn't talk about Savile Row German but we have I think probably the most vibrant set of high street fashion retailers so whether it is Topshop which you can be a fashion buyer from any um, upscale fashion house and you're always looking to see what top shop are doing right you know you always do because they are on it through to slightly more upmarket warehouse miss selfridge you know they push the push the boundaries and stuff so you know we have this real sense of being able to take risks and and as i said and, and you concurred that I think us as, as English people don't quite realise how no, good how powerful we are. It is, yeah. You know, uh, English design was one of the reasons why Johnny Ive got his job uh, at Apple to design those, those Apple Macs because he was seen as being somebody from another culture right. who was more steeped in design. Uh, um, and a lot of this, the success of Apple as a company is actually down to the Englishman. Yes, right. Steve Jobs, right. but actually second or third, is actually right. the Englishman who is the designer. Okay,
3: so we're going to claim that. Could we have the tax revenue as well? <laughs> <laughs> they're an Irish That'd company, nice. aren't they, Apple? Is Come that well, right? I they're now registered, on, know, I I Yeah, know. yeah, they're going to be, aren't stuff they? In there. So, I put it to you, mm. Royfield uh, Brown, that we should put English street-style fashion into the cabinet of the things that make England as I, 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 th-
1: I think we should, because we gave the world New Romantics that was a mistake wasn't it
3: no <laughs> again no, I'm being mock mock negative obviously you know
1: acid teds acid teds don't know that that rave kind oh, of look right, of the late 80s early I 90s I think I
3: had children and by that stage well and, yeah know, I was well you were being responsible for the company dollar yeah
1: yeah yeah. you know a whole we
3: um, goths goths yes yes well, bred and raised a few then <laughs> well, at least one anyway <laughs> yeah
1: <laughs> you know, in terms of visual, fashion, street su- style... Is God you an English thing? Uh, we put it together. So it was Didn't The Cure. That, so and Oh, I suppose that's true. The exactly, Cure. Exactly. Yeah. And uh, what's yeah. his name? Smith. The, the look, yeah. we did. Yeah. Right. You know, Americans might have gone off and, and run with it. So so you're and we're and all then all gone on to their vampire stuff. Right. You know, but actually <laughs> it started here. Right. Okay. You found it. You hit it first. So...
3: Great, so we're in agreement again. We're agreeing far too much. This is most unpleasant. Uh, so before we go on, again, many thanks to Fiona and Luke for everything they do. We love the fact they su- mm-hmm. sweep up social media every week. Yeah. So let's, let's hear about road signs.
2: Well, Goon Squad, I hope you enjoyed your visit to the world of fashion. Beep, beep. Fortunately, it will fall to Fiona to round that one up. It is to everyone's benefit that podcasting is a purely aural medium, so none of you has to feel the need to pass judgement on my sartorial choices. So, road signs it is. Actually, as someone who failed their driving test four times, I am hardly more qualified to speak about these markers of highway compliance than I am to hold forth on the setting of trends. It was my failure to recognise one of the most international of signs that did for me at the first time of asking. As the examiner said, Please draw safely to a stop here, sir. You do realise that you are driving the wrong way down a one-way street, do you not, sir? Oops. So, listeners, beware. If you are behind the wheels in the counties of Buckinghamshire, Oxfordshire or Northamptonshire, I haven't improved much in the intervening years. Anyway, enough about me. It seems that Fiona's admonishments about not enough commenting has done the trick, and we have had quite a lot of discussions around road signs. But let's start with the voting. It seems like our complaints about wanting a simply worded, binary choice to vote for has really struck home, and Royfield gave us just absolutely they should go in the cabinet, and utter tosh they should not go in the cabinet absolutely beat Tosh by 44 votes to 25. Maybe we should not have been so hard on Royfield, as some of his verbal flourishes in previous polls might not have been massively democratic, but they were good fun. Royfield couldn't completely resist the urge to poll, so he has given us another vote on people's favourite signs, which is currently tied at 15 votes each for Deer and the unfeasible Slippery Road. Speaking of voting, we did have a bit of a to-and-fro about whether people should vote before they have listened to the episode. I don't know what I think about this. Maybe we should have a vote on it. Ben's contribution to the discussion thread really stood out this time. In fact, I could make my job a lot easier by just reading it out. It was that good. It's great to hear from a genuine expert in a field that can explain something that's essentially a little bit geeky in a really clear way. It is absolutely worth a read, and it comes in three parts. Ben did eventually decide to vote for signs going into the cabinet, but he did have a good think about it. But it wasn't actually all about Ben. We also found out about Cat's Eyes from Witherspoon. Weirdly, they don't seem to exist everywhere, which is strange because they seem to be such an obvious contribution to road safety. We also discovered that another British thing is the correct thing, namely driving on the left-hand side of the road. As ever, we've had some great guest posts. Personally, I loved Rowena's share of some fantastic business names, such as Jean-Claude Van Man, the removal man with, er... Uh, a van. It's definitely worth a visit to the Facebook page to check that one out. And Jennifer managed to unearth a working design of what our legendary cabinet might actually look like. It's full of lots of little nooks and crannies and cubbyholes, which Jennifer has already started populating. Thankfully, she has spared us all by including a picture of Meryl Streep as Thatcher, rather than the Iron Lady herself. Thanks for listening. Keep commenting. And just to get the ball rolling on contentious things to say about fashion, let me leave you with this assertion. Crocs are the coolest item of footwear known to humankind. Thank you.
3: Fantastic. Okay, please do go and comment. Please write us reviews if you wouldn't mind on iTunes. Go on to Facebook. Have a chat about what you think about the fashion. You can, you can tell me all the things I should have known. They're, they're part of our... the big names, yeah? They myth, are, mythos, actually, I think.
1: David. Mythos.
3: True. Oh, English. Oh, there's that word again. Uh, <laughs> anyway. Uh, so, please go and join the debate on Facebook and we can chat about all the things we wore and didn't wear and all the rest of that. That'd be great fun. And you can send us pictures of the things you wore. Ooh. How good would that be? I'll see if I can dig out a picture of my lemon-coloured trousers and my loose-weave cotton lime and lemon jumper. You'll love it. Anyway, thank you very <laughs> much for listening, everybody. That's uh, goodbye from me and...
1: Goodbye from me. Thank God for Harry! And these are the things that made England... England! And St. George!
0: These are the things that made England... Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade.
2: This Mother's Day, treat mom to healthy, glowing skin with Osea's limited-edition skincare sets. Osea has been making clean, seaweed-infused products for nearly 30 years. Their advanced eye care duo brightens and firms skin around your eyes while the Golden Globe Body Trio nourishes and smooths skin all over. Go to oseamalibu.com and use code MOM for 10% off your first order site-wide.
0: When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy.